Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 122. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the talented creative team of I Am The First, issue one of a gay superhero origin story. We're happy to welcome Jeremy Flagg and Amanda Call. Hello. How's it going? Hello. All right. So welcome, so far, Jeremy. So good. For the, good, Jeremy. Yeah, welcome for the first time. Amanda, welcome for the for the third time. So third time. Yep. yep congratulations, you made it to the uh, to the status of friend of the show. So uh, yes, yes. This is, this is what I've been aiming for. Got to make sure you add that to your, you know, add add that to your all of your um, your promotional materials. We'll give yes. I'll give you a PNG file for that. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so congratulations, uh, folks! Look, you've you've already hit, you've already hit, um, you you you've already re reached your goal. Your goal was to get three thousand, and you're already at knocking at four thousand already with seventy five backers. Ah! Yeah, it, we we weren't we weren't prepared for that. <laughs> we, no. were <laughs> we were like. Oh, I hope that we managed to make three thousand dollars in a month, and then we got it like almost immediately. And now we're just kind of terrified. <laughs> <laughs> like we had already planned out, like okay, so our second week of advertising will be this, and the third week we'll do this. And twenty-four hours later, we're like, well, crap. Uh, now what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so we'll, we can we can jump in and talk about the talk about this Kickstarter, but at first I'm really really curious um, how you two actually first met and got to know each other and um, decided to work on a project. So Jeremy, do you want to go ahead and grab it and tell me you as the writer of this? How did you? Uh, okay, you Amanda, you ready for the story again? Because I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> okay, I'm always ready for this story. Um, <laughs> So uh, many, many years ago, I was a senior in high school and I was taking a creative writing class with a bunch of the other seniors and it was kind of our blow off class for the year. And so it was first thing in the morning and uh, a little while into the class, you know, we've been writing and doing what seniors do basically try to be all provocateur with our writing and in strolls this seventh grader. <laughs> this little itty bitty seventh grader. <laughs> and it's kind of a, um, are you lost? <laughs> no. Amanda had moved to delightful Milo, Maine, um, mm -hmm. Medford, LaGrange? LaGrange. LaGrange, yeah. I lived, but our school was at Milo, but yeah. And because they had no idea where to put a student who took normal classes at normal people levels, <laughs> they they shoved her into a senior level creative writing class. Yeah, my, my seventh grade English teacher was like, I don't have anything for you to do, so I'm going to go put you in the high school creative writing class. <laughs> and so... Which, which was fine because we were like the degenerates of the school. Like we were like the outcasts, but 
our our school was so small like there was no such thing as really outcast because it would have been like one person so we were like okay let's bring her in let's do this and uh we the the only thing i can remember is amanda being put into my group during a journal read where it is uh, a mutual friend of ours josh decker who we really need to start sending him these links because he gets brought up all the time we keep talking about him <laughs> and josh decker uh had recently come out um publicly come out of the closet i don't know one of those things and so basically all it was of public his and creative writing class at the very least yeah, we all knew we all right. knew um he was basically writing gay smut <laughs> and so he just kind of leans over and goes i can't read this and we were kind of like well you you kind of have to because that's kind of what the project is and so he's sitting there with his uh, little journal and he's just reading along and it, it gets to the point where you're like, <laughs> know where this is going. And he just kind of looks up at Amanda and he's like, mutter, mutter, mutter. What was that? And he's like, I can't say it. And so <laughs> that was my introduction to Amanda was yeah, making that, all of the seniors in high school feel awkward. Cause this <laughs> this 13 year old has shown up in their midst and other like, yeah. Oh no, <laughs> maybe we, we should behave. To, <laughs> we, we had to tame all our gay smut and there was a lot of it in that class. There was. Um, and then of course I graduated and completely forgot everything about Milo. And I eventually wound up going to grad school in Savannah and out of the blue, this random person sends me a friend request and our friend Josh, who pops up into the picture yet again yep. is living in Savannah at the time. And I was like, who is this? And he's like, remember that girl from the class? And I was like, Oh my God, it's her. <laughs> and so I went, I had to go down to Savannah for my thesis. And of course, Josh wasn't there at the time. And I was like, well, let, let's have a Milo reunion and I'll go hang out with Amanda. And so this 13-year-old girl in sweltering heat is now a 20-something-year-old, strolls in in her, like, crisp leather jacket, basically... It wasn't that hot. It, wasn't it was so... Hot. I'm from Maine. Not. Everything's hot. <laughs> um, and she, like, basically, like, sits down at the, uh, the table, like, kicks her legs up on it, like, orders a beer, slams it... Like, <laughs> I mean, she basically did Jeremy everything. Might but be exaggerating slightly. <laughs> not even a little. She like flashed some uh, a gun in the holster. Now, like, <laughs> now we're completely making stuff up. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of funny because that thirteen-year-old apparently she aged as well, and ever since then, <laughs> ever since then, our lives have just been weirdly connected, and so. Um, Eventually, she got me working uh, at comic conventions selling books. And, you know, that's where, like, we were always around each other yeah, uh, talking I stuff. I sucked him into the artist alley life. Oh, my God. <laughs> Why did you do that? <laughs> was, was that revenge for gay smut? Like, Maybe. Uh, that's a good one. Dish, <laughs> dish served cold. Um, and at one of those things, I just clearly remember her saying um 
this dude keeps asking me about uh he always says like he has an idea for a comic book and i'm like yeah whatever and i just i remember her saying that at the first bangor toy comic-con mm-hmm. and like a couple years later i just kind of looked at her and i was like hey i have an idea for a comic because <laughs> <laughs> this is a thing for like every comic artist whoever shows at a convention you always have random people walk up to you and be like oh so i have this great idea for a comic it's like cool so don't we all like just move along <laughs> Um, and yeah, and eventually I pitched her the idea and she just kind of nodded her head and was like, no. Um, and then made me keep pitching her ideas until she was like that one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, you're supposed to be kind of nice, but very i'm very serious about comics so well what was funny is that this was actually a story that originally you were just like telling me about as like a ya novel that you wanted to work on and you told me the story but when he was when he was just like pitching explaining it to me because we were just kind of like having one of these sessions where like oh yeah i'm working on this and i'm working on that we're just kind of like throwing ideas back and forth and catching each other up on what we're working on and he mentioned this story and as soon as he started describing it to me i could see it like I had a clear mental picture of what this story was and how it should look. And even though he intended it as a novel and then later he was telling me about like, oh yeah, well there's this idea too that I thought about for maybe we could do a you know, comic series together like this. And I was like, yeah, that idea is all right, but I like your YA novel a lot better for a comic. Mm. <laughs> and yeah, that's, and then, and then she put me through comic book boot camp because yep. <laughs> apparently just having an idea is not enough it's not a comic <laughs> it's there's a there's a significant gap between an idea and an actual comic <laughs> and yeah it and it was funny cuz i was telling you the other day i was in a a room with a bunch of image comic artists mm-hmm. and they were like i was explaining this same story and they're like yep we all, we all, we have all dealt with that. And I was like, well, glad to know I'm just one of the masses that sounds like a dork <laughs> coming up with this stuff. But yeah, and that's kind of how the idea uh, kind of found its footing at this point. Um, and the sad part is the original concept for it. So the, the series is called I Am The First. And... <laughs> I got the idea because I thought it would make for a really cool book title. <laughs> just went from there. And then I was like, oh, what are you the first of? <laughs> hmm. So yeah, it it really just started with a, a, a title and then got built out from there. Um, I can't even tell you where some of the inspiration came from. It was kind of one of those wake up in the middle of the night and be like... I think this will work. I'll I'll write it down and deal with it later. <laughs> so 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 uh, talk to us a bit about the uh, the concept of I am the first. So the at some point I had heard an interview that talked about how uh, superheroes all are superheroes 
because of the trauma they endured and they were they were trying to prove that this wasn't accurate and if you go look through anything like the flash's mom died superman's planet blew up batman's parents like the x-men everyone hates them like it just it's over and over that there is a moment something something horrible happens to them and that's part Mm. of their hero's journey to become the superheroes that they are and and they can either go left and become a villain or endure and become a hero and so that when i heard that i thought oh i i guess i had never really thought about it and so in this sense they're talking like the the psychological whatever well we kind of turn that a little on its head and in our book actual trauma creates heroes um, or gives people powers and so everyone who has a power gets it through some extreme trauma um and mm. it's not like all doom gloom type stuff but you know death is kind of a big deal it's kind of traumatic and um ta-da somehow you got powers out of it and we don't really go into it because it wasn't important but that kind of started the the basis for how our universe works um which for our main character is really important because the opening page for him is him rebounding from a traumatic event and that's what starts his journey um so yeah that's kind of that's kind of where things kicked off for us was this bigger bigger concept and then we kind of filled it out because we just started asking questions and it's been great working with amanda because we grew up in a very special place yeah special is the word (laughs) um it there are things that happen where we grew up that no one else in America would understand. <laughs> no one else in, in like on like planet Earth, maybe. <laughs> like the one I always tell everyone is um so we uh, did did you have um Mr. Oaks for health? Oh god, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mr. Oaks was still so, around. Mr. Oaks was still around long after I graduated. He didn't retire until rather recently. So Mr. Oaks went to school with my grandmother, taught my parents, taught me, and taught pretty much the generation after me as well. Mm-hmm. And in our health class, the opening thing was, if I remember correctly, was uh, like uh, like alcohol drug awareness stuff. Right. And then right. like so there, there hygiene. Were, so there were there were four there were four units in our health class. So one of yeah. them was one of them was substance abuse. That that was one unit. One unit was first aid. Oh, one, yes. one unit was sex ed. Very the most comprehensive sex ed I've ever heard of, by the way. Like yep. most people that I've ever talked to did not learn a fraction of what we did in high school. And the last one was hunter safety. <laughs> so, so by the end of this year. <laughs> basically, by the end of your freshman year, you know how to handle a rifle. But <laughs> <laughs> Like, it, and people are like, wait, you got a, a a hunting license? We got our hunting license and also learned how to do CPR and also learned about every possible form of protection 
insects <laughs> that you could possibly think of. <laughs> yeah, by the same person who went to school with my grandmother and and also don't do drugs. Ex- yeah, <laughs> which unfortunately with our school it was all too late. But yeah, well, yeah, there's there's that too. But so like when we were talking about this, one of the things that we really were adamant about is we wanted the book to take place in rural Maine, and we we made it a nondescript area. Um, it, it's Millinocket, it's a, but right, yeah, it's a, we made up a town a town name for it so that it's not named after a real town and it's got a, a main sounding town name, but it's not it it is inspired heavily by places like Millinocket and like this the town where we grew up, Milo, and just basically all of the little like dead and dying small towns that used to be big towns that are all over this area and, of Maine. And that's kind of a big thing, like we we where we grew up uh 30 years prior to us they were like booming and mm-hmm. like they had seen their uh their heyday and when we came around they were dying and so we wanted the book to take place in a setting like that because it there's a lot of resentment from the people there and it was a mm-hmm. way that we could work that into the the characters mm. um and so we we really made an effort to make this a an everybody story. But if you're from Maine, um, or if you're from any small rural town, you're gonna nod your head and be like, "Yep, that's exactly what this place is like." Mm. Right? Yeah. And so, how much of this? So, as you mentioned, Jeremy is like when uh, Amanda kind of said, "Hey, you need to go through." The comic book boot camp in that sense um it, explain so you know if we have the authors who's thinking hey i've i've always kind of wanted to write a comic book uh, i know some people who can who can draw pictures and people think it's just so easy to draw pictures or people think it's so easy to write where it takes a lot of skill to do both so what would be your what did you see that was different between your long form work and what was to writing a, a, a comic book script. Do you do you remember reading comics like X-Men number one, like the 1969 X-Men, where Jean Grey is like, I'm gonna use my telekinesis, the ability to move things with my mind. <laughs> did, yes. did you really just explain out what telekinesis is in the same in the same panel in which you are moving something with your mind. (laughs) How redundant can you be? And that was something, I mean, I grew up on comics. I I am an X-Men wiki waiting to happen. But at the same time, like Amanda came in and was like, dude, you're being redundant. Like some of the stuff, like some of what you're, yeah, some of it, that is what artists is there for to make these visuals happen. You, you don't need to, and I was definitely heavy handed on it. And uh, thankfully Amanda was like, yep, his first time doing this, we're just going to let him roll with it. But like, <laughs> <laughs> like I gave, I, so I wrote it in script format because in my head that makes more sense. Like I can digest mm-hmm. that. Right. And so I wrote it like, cause you know, I did plays growing up. And so, I wrote it like stage directions and Mm -hmm. some of it might've been helpful. Some of it, you can tell, like, she was like, no, I'm going to go do my own thing. Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, But it, it helped me visualize because 
she can read a script and like the other day we needed a page count. She was like, I'm just going to read the script. Yep. This is going to be 20 yeah. pages. Yep. This is going to be 22 pages. I, I wrote out that first script and in my head, I wrote like a 90 page um, comic book. And she's like, yeah, this is like 24 pages. You're fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> and yeah, well, and, and part of the thing too was that like because you know we talked about formatting and i showed jeremy examples of like what official comic book scripts look like and i was like don't do this like don't do this because if you've never written a comic book before then it doesn't make sense for you to try to tell me how to break down the panels because mm. you you don't have that experience like you trying to tell me what to fit in a panel this these panels are going to be nonsense because that's not your experience. Like, that's not what you have the background in. Just tell me what happens and who says what. And mm. I will figure out how that makes sense to convey visually. Which I know, obviously, a lot of a lot of writers are not going to be willing to relinquish that re level of control. And will be like, oh, no way. But and I would trust in me, which was good. <laughs> I would even take it another step and say, if a writer is not willing to relinquish that control, don't do a comic. Mm. Because... Yeah. Yeah. You're a writer, not an artist. It would be like me as a, I'm an artiste. I went to school for art. I, I know obscene amount of visual art stuff, but let me tell you how to make your music because I'm an artist. And of course I know how to do this. No, what are you no. doing? No. no. So, and that was the thing that all the image artists were saying was let us do what we do well our job is to visualize your what you are putting down and amanda did a really good job like she sent me all the thumbnails um and there were like there was one or two scenes there were a couple of pages where we kind of like where we like realized that stuff was just not working as written and we revised together basically like trouble came up we were troubleshooting and coming up with like okay this isn't doing what we need it to or what he envisioned it to do like what jeremy had envisioned when he wrote it so we'll revise it and figure that out at the thumbnail stage so i made sure to make like extra large thumbnails that were much neater and more legible than the ones i normally do for myself so that he could actually read them <laughs> And, and even then, the the visuals that she did, she was following my script. So right. her visual, like, I could see where she was going with it, but I had kind of painted her into a corner that she couldn't get out with on those panels. And so, like, that's where it, it stopped being me. And, I mean, I have a background in visual art, so I can talk artist, but... Even then, like, and I think I've been fairly good about this, I think. Like, you do you. <laughs> just, just, if you have a question, let me know. Otherwise, I'm, I'm, I'm out of that oh, conversation. <laughs> um, and then I think the only page that uh, I, I specifically asked to rehash was the last page of the first yeah. issue. Yeah. Because for the whole first issue like it was building 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 and then there was a moment in my head and it wasn't again not her i just did not put out that in a way that made sense so that's where like you know it, it was definitely 
a learning experience for me. And even, even after the first one, the rest of them just, just happened quickly. Um, so that part was really good, but yeah, I, I got schooled cause <laughs> who knew like all the, the plot that you write into, uh, a novel, you, you, you don't get 400 pages to express yourself. Like there is a very finite number of pages. So, so let me ask you then, Jeremy, though, did you feel as though you like writing comic strip? Or are you going to see, or do you, are you, or part of you saying, okay, once this project's over, I got to go back to writing long form because it's way easier for me. It Well, so we've already <laughs> had a conversation about the sequel <laughs> um, because I can't, I, there, there's not even a plot. There's a title. Cause that's how this works. <laughs> um, it's such a good Jeremy's title. whole, whole MO. I've got a great title. Okay. Well, what's the yeah. story? I'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to it. There, I, I think there's like a granddaughter in a deathbed. Like, I don't really know, but but if, if you're going to have a book called I am the first, you have to have your sequel called I am the last. So, oh, well then you're going to, then if you call it, I am the second, then you can be able to set up a lot more series and play. See? And then it turns into like a, a, a skit though. Like, wait, <laughs> <one> second. <laughs> Uh, that just, that means we would have to do more in the middle. Right. We'll, we'll see. We'll see if let we us, survive let us this. Just experience. survive this book first. <laughs> oh, so let me ask you then, Amanda. Is like if you've worked on different projects before. What were the uh, what What are some of the things uh, working with Jeremy that you're able to? Uh, you've learned about yourself or learned professionally that you're going to try to uh, implement in future projects with other creatives? Oh, ooh, that's an interesting question. Um, huh, I mean, part of the thing is it's been so easy working with Jeremy and in, in that, like we, we speak a lot of the same language and have a lot of the same experience. So that's been like incredibly easy as far as just being on the same page about stuff. Um, I, I will say that I've gotten like, because it's just the two of us I've and and comics is my thing and not Jeremy's thing I've had to take more of a leadership role on this project than I normally would when I'm mm. being contracted to work for somebody and I think that's probably been really good for me because a lot of times especially as like an artist where you're like somebody please just pay me to draw and then you don't like <laughs> you like don't want to complain and you don't want to point out that things aren't going to work and you just like do what people tell you and you're like okay oh. and it's like I feel like this project has given me a lot more confidence where it's like, no, I do know what I'm talking about sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to say that. <laughs> and it, it has been really great because like I, I, I published 20 something books at this point And like, I, I understand publishing. Like I got this, I got this pretty well in the bag none of it really translates to comics so it is simple as how big is a comic book <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have to deal with that stuff and right. well what if we do the hardback it doesn't oh, like yeah 
be a Amanda's basically just the wealth of knowledge and she's probably Googling it for all I know. I mean, some stuff. I don't remember the exact dimensions of a comic book off the top of my head because an American standard comic book is a really goofy size. So <laughs> I have to Google it every time because it's a number that doesn't make sense. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Like, who does that? I'm sure there's some like arcane reason as to why it's that size. I just I don't know what it is. <laughs> and and so let me ask you, because you two knew each other, um, is are you running this as kind of like a partnership or is this a business with a contract where you both signed or how did this work? <laughs> we so should have done that. That would be smart, right? Right. Um, <sighs> No, so right now we're just kind of running it as like a loose partnership. We also didn't get super involved in that partially because we weren't sure if it was gonna like go get off the ground. And and our agreement was basically like if this Kickstarter flops, we both just walk away and move on with our lives and maybe revisit this someday. But it's such an intensive, like such a labor intensive project, especially on my end, that it was like we're we're if this isn't doing anything, we can't pour all this energy into it. Mm. So now that it's like, oh, the Kickstarter's succeeding. Okay, maybe now we should bring paperwork into this just for the sake of keeping everybody safe and square. <laughs> like, well, and and some of it is, I I don't think so. Technically, this is my intellectual property as far right. as the the origin story goes, and. I do think some authors would run into that saying, well, I came up with the idea. I deserve all of this. It took me four days to write all five issues for the first script, edit them, get them read by someone, and then make all my changes. Four days. Hmm. And uh, Amanda, how long have you been working on it? A lot more than four days. Yeah. <laughs> like, a, like a lot more. <laughs> and I think that that's the thing that a lot of authors wouldn't understand is like, I never walked into this thinking that this was going to be a 50 50 deal. Um, I'm, I'm one, I'm not egotistical being like, well, I came up with the idea. I came up with the origin of the idea and it's already morphed. And Amanda has put in her experience to it. So it's not, it, it, there, the ownership would be super fuzzy. So if we go to court, right. this is going to be so messy. It's going to be a mess. Yeah. I'm going to so, ruin not... your life, Jeremy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, and I mean, uh, primarily like when you, when you're working with people that you trust, contracts aren't really about the two of you getting into a dispute. Contracts are more about like, what happens if one of us gets hit by a bus? <laughs> like, Right. I live in Murder House. <laughs> Jeremy lives in Murder House. So the strange lady may pop up out of the basement and end him at any point. Well, then what do I do? That's yeah. really what the contract is for. <laughs> then Amanda's and... going to have to color her own flats. No, I don't want to do my own flats. <laughs> no. Don't don't make me. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, you brought that because yeah, Jeremy, the, the suit of armor moved a little bit. I don't know if there was somebody ah! in it or no. No, <laughs> No, Gerald. No. <laughs> Do you so 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 with the, let's 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 jump in it and 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 talk about these uh the the Kickstarter and also Jeremy, this is your first Kickstarter, right? Uh, so I did a Kickstarter uh a few years ago for an anthology for a uh 
a bunch of New England authors. And we all we wanted to do for that one was cover our costs. So it was this is just a minimum number. We hit it. We're done. Like, let's not promote it. Let's actually I don't want to promote it anymore. The the fulfillment of a Kickstarter can be super overwhelming. And Mm. I was handling all of it. So this is my first like kind of solo project where okay. it's ours and not like all these right. other people involved. Um, I've, I've been on a lot of like teams and a lot of projects where it was funded through Kickstarter, like lots of game design projects, especially I have right. been funded through Kickstarter and I've been part of the team that was working on the project, but I haven't like had my hands in the guts of a Kickstarter project like this one before. And I'm like, Oh, this is what it looks back. looks like back here. Okay. <laughs> and when you're setting up a Kickstarter, like you get enamored by that final number that, so ours originally was set for $3,000. Well, $3,000 is not really $3,000. Okay. Um, and so we had to have like, basically you're having a production meeting for the final product that you barely started working on. And you're doing things like, how much is the hard copy going to weigh? Right. Uh, right. How much or, is the hard copy going to weigh? How much is it going to cost to ship? Wait, how many? What if we make this? What if we print this many units? What if we print this many units? Like, uh, how many uh, copies can fit in a box if we have to order them so we can get like? You're looking at some super weird stuff that you don't think about ahead of time. But I learned my lesson on my last Kickstarter. If you don't do it, then at the end of it, you're going to be like, "Well, I'll just put this all on my credit card." <laughs> Yeah. yeah yeah well and that was and that was part of the thing too of like the the thing we're running into right now is that what my experience with uh in game design kickstarters especially is that most kickstarter starters bury themselves when it comes to stretch goals of like right. we funded mm-hmm. yay now we've done we we have to provide the thing that we said we were going to provide oh well now it's like and it's not actually like required to have stretch goals it's just kind of like a customary thing that most right. people do it is not required by kickstarter it's not a thing that you have to do but most people expect it and so now it's like okay well now what are we going to do because now we've passed our funding goal and we need to provide something else because people expect us to but that's where you get in trouble because (laughs) you're doing this often by the seat of your pants as this is going on and you aren't necessarily thinking about the numbers the way that you were when you were first setting everything up um and so we did have a couple of stretch goals that we're already almost we've gotten one and we're about to meet the second one so then we were like okay well what else can we do with a comic that provides added value And it like shows that like, hey, we appreciate the extra support and we want to provide a little something extra for people, but it's not going to cause some kind of logistical nightmare for us. (laughs) AKA not physical stuff. Right. Not more physical stuff that that we then have to figure out how to physically get to people because that's where you run into problems. Right. Because even if we, because we had talked about doing some sort of poster and giving that to everyone. Well, so we have 70 something Kickstarters. Um, and only a handful of the tiers are physical book people. So you can't put a poster, like a a larger poster into media mail. So then you have to go get the tubes and you have to wrap it. And then at that point, like the $5 tier, you're only making like 20 cents. So (laughs) (laughs) it, it quickly turned into, uh, we want to do something. And 
part of this Kickstarter is we were really adamant about wanting to support other people. The the main storyline uh, runs parallel to a coming out story of a gay youth. And so one of the things people could do is they could donate a copy of the book to uh, an LGBT organization. And so we wanted to make sure that that was, you know, we're, we're giving back to the same community we came from. Right. And when we started looking at stretch goals, um, uh, uh, actually, you know Jesse way better than I do. Yeah. <laughs> I've met him yeah. like four or five times. Yeah. Well, Jesse's a good friend of mine. Um, we had, uh, I, actually, I think I met them at the first Bangor Toy Comic Con with you. Probably, yeah. Because they're usually at that show. Um, but Jesse and uh, Margaret Lundberg, yep. not Ludenberg, because I keep trying Lund to change their name. Lundberg, yes. <laughs> um, do a comic called Harold the Happy Human Eater. Yeah. And I just, I love watching Jesse work um, at conventions, and uh, his wife is just the bee's knees and then some. So I was like, we we know this person who's a working artist. Why don't we see if we can get them on board? And that way we're we're still giving back to the community that has supported us in the past. So let let's turn around and do that. So that's our next stretch goal. And if if we hit that one, then I at yeah, we had um yeah Jesse was on. I think he was episode ten. He was on one of my earlier. Yeah, things. yeah. So so I'm looking at I'm lo lo looking at the uh, the th the tier rewards. You actually say it's all five issues. So are you going to be right? Okay. Right. So, so your idea is it to have them the your twenty four page at a time. You're going to do all twenty all five issues together. Yeah. So, yeah, so the way that this is going to work out as far as like the, the distribution of it is that um, in a couple of months after the dust has settled on the Kickstarter and everything, uh, we're going to release the first issue okay. and all of the Kickstarter backers will get the first issue. And that'll also be released like in digital on digital platforms like um, Drive Through Comics and Comixology and that sort of thing. And as each one, then every couple of months, the next chapter will be released on these digital platforms. All the Kickstarter backers who pledged for them will get them, and then they'll be released on the platforms. And then when all of those are done, toward like middle end of next year, then we'll be releasing it as a trade paperback as well. So this still gives people an opportunity to, they don't have to wait the whole time to get mm. the whole story. They'll be able to get the story a little bit as at a time as we're completing it. And it allows an opportunity for people who maybe missed the Kickstarter to get in on it as it proceeds, like to discover it and become a part of, you know, the, the group that gets to read this and everything. It'll be out there in the world, hopefully gathering more of an audience as we move forward. So I guess my question is, I'm just curious from a, from a marketing and production perspective, uh, why not? Why did you? Why did the two of you decide to just do make this the Kickstarter for all five issues and not issue one? Then a few months later, issue two. Because running a Kickstarter is stressful, Barney. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and realistically, that was that was the primary reason behind it. Like leading up to the oh my god, if you had watched our Facebook Live when we very first started it, we didn't know where to find the 
freaking publish button. The, the launch button. We're like, how do we like, turn it on? We're like, Amanda, you go tell a story while I I'm Google how a, to do this. Tell a story while Jeremy tries to figure out how to turn our Kickstarter on. It, <laughs> it, it's simple stuff like that. And then it then it kind of turned into what is the value for the, the participant? Because right. I think we never went into this thinking about for the money. We wanted to make sure like um, there's compensation. And for me, the way I'm used to being paid for writing is when the trade paperback comes out, we'll, we'll look at royalty splits there. And that's what I'm used to. Like I write for three months and then publish something. So that's, that's just how my world works. Um, For Amanda, it's a little bit more, do a project, get paid, do a project, get paid. Right. And doing a project the, of this size also represents a rather large opportunity cost on my my end because right. this the amount of time that it takes to draw an entire graphic novel is a lot of other freelance projects that I have to say no to in that in that time. And it it also turned into a little bit of a conversation about, well, we fund the first two and then we don't fund the third one. Right. Yeah, then right. what? <laughs> Uh, uh. on my end i'm i'm looking for the money come trade paperback as a royalty split so that's where my money comes from so it it tur- kind of turned into for the 12 months between now and then <laughs> yeah and so it we we have uh just well our industries are very adjacent mm. the they way really we handle them they're yeah. very different right um in this way we can say that Amanda, because kind of, I don't know, whatever. Amanda's basically getting the Kickstarter money because that was the arrangement because her time investment is so immense compared to mine. Um, And, you know, I'm helping doing coloring the flats, but even then, like, I'm taking a fraction of the work so yeah let's let's get to that royalty spot so i can i can make the big box yeah those royalties come in it and and i i find the idea this is i i find it intriguing where you decided to have this be all five issues and kind of release it almost to the point where you see it almost as a the equivalent of where you know the netflix culture is to binge watch everything so watch it but this is right, also right. where we've seen success happen where now with with uh some live streaming are now releasing episodes right. weekly Back to the serial format right there's there's really a lot to be said for the audience retention of a serial format actually being used as a serial instead of just dumping it all out at once and it's like yeah it's a 10 minute it's a 10 hour movie with bathroom breaks right. <laughs> and so yeah so with that said do you actually uh, is do you have a schedule that because now it's kind of on your shoulders amanda do you have a mm-hmm. schedule to say all right i want to make sure that by the 15th of every other month or by the right. the 20th yes. of every quarter how do you have you now yeah to so that? so i haven't hammered out every single detail of that yet because we're still in the couple first few days of this kickstarter and I'm just <laughs> kind of i'm just kind of reeling still at the moment but yeah that's the that's the idea is that i'm gonna have an actual like production schedule of like this page to this page is getting done this week and then this page to this page is getting done this week and then you know by right. the by x date these pages will be done for this chapter and yeah because we have the first 
the first uh, chapter isn't going to come out for a couple, even though it's done, it's not going to come out for a couple of months yet so that we have time to build up a backlog and then be able to release them every like two months, I think is the plan until okay. the trade paperback comes out. You know, you have kids and a husband and apparently they need attention once in a while. So. I live in the wilderness and occasionally have to fight off bears, you know, like, <laughs> stuff, is, stuff is going on. I got stuff going on. <laughs> But thankfully, you know how to use a condom and a ra- rifle, all things It's Mr. true. Oaks. Thank you, Mr. Oaks. It's very helpful. <laughs> for, the, for, the, for those days when you have to, like, draw a trade paperback in the middle of Maine. Yeah. Yep. yeah. See? I mean, yeah, useful. I feel like that's everyone's experience <laughs> right there. Right. Um, oh, so, yeah, like, we – and that was something that we – so it, this is kind of a fun project in the fact that um, we each have kind of a special skill that we bring to the table as far as the back end comes. Because like, I've never worked with Comixology, I've never worked with drive Through Comics, um, but I also have extensive knowledge as far as like, when we go to publish this as a trade paperback, like that's where I'm gonna shine because that's what I Cause, do. Because you're all about the, the Amazon system. Yeah, but Comixology, I, do I have to make an account? Like, I don't even know what to do there. Like, <laughs> um, I, I've literally had what to are ask we doing? Her, like, do they sell print or only, like, I didn't even know. So, um, yeah, this isn't something that I, I would suggest an author ever go in on for themselves, but I do think that there is a, a great marriage between skill sets. Um, but everyone has to be kind of realistic walking into it because, I feel for any author who would say like, no, I'm half this process. So I want half everything. Well, guess what? You're not that special. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I I think that's, that's just the thing is that it's also very difficult. Like if we didn't have this type of, if we didn't have like a friendship and like a creative collaborative type of friendship starting Mm. off, like if we didn't already have a rapport, it's a big ask to be like, hey, do you want to work on my comic? And you probably won't get paid for like months of labor until after maybe. And and also, uh, I don't have any of the specialized knowledge that you do. So we're going to rely on all of your specialized knowledge. Like, it's a lot. And if if we didn't have this rapport, and if it also wasn't a project that I was also passionate about, th- it, it would be difficult for this to work. Because mm. I also like you know, when he even just, when Jeremy even just told me the idea that he had for this, I was like, oh, I really like this. And then once I read the first draft of the script, I was like, oh, I really like this. Like, yes, this is happening. I'm gonna make this happen. And I think it's important for people to know that if, if I was just going to hunt for a random artist, that this could be costing me so two three hundred dollars <laughs> per finish but like six hundred dollars per finished page easily yeah and if you look at a 24 page comic times five like uh you're gonna be broke and <laughs> and realistically unless you're a neil gaiman putting out sandman you are not getting that money back in royalties so why are you in this so I, I feel that that's always important for authors to know. Like the initial investment, if you don't have a friend, is going to suck. 
Right, because as you mentioned too, it's like it's and like Amanda, as as Jeremy was saying, on average, uh, professional comic book artist as yourself, finished letter, and he's talking about everything, lettering everything. That's right. about five hundred. Yeah, like yeah. it's a, it's a lot. Like the actual page rate, because you're doing if you're doing everything, like if you're you either have one person doing everything or you're paying like four people to right. do all these different parts, and it's going to end up being pretty pricey per page. Right. So Amanda. Like, yeah. <laughs> the the final number sixty thousand dollars. Oh, did you just do some math? Oh, yeah, I just did math. Okay. Yeah, it's about. I guess I, I, guess it, I need to. Re, I, I guess I need to adjust this Kickstarter goal here. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> we're just gonna we're gonna move the decimal over a little. Just gonna now. add a zero on the end here. Yeah, we see it. It's because if you're saying five hundred page twenty four com twenty four page comic, that's twelve thousand dollars for the artist. Yeah. yeah. So. The next stretch goal will be sixty thousand dollars, and it'll just be Amanda's living wage. <laughs> Amanda gets paid what she's worth. Stretch. Uh, yeah. Uh, you yeah. know what? If I wanted to get paid what I was worth, I would not have become an art comic artist. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel you. And I think it's the other thing that's true. really, I think the thing that's really helped is the, and weirdly, we both went to Savannah College of Art and Design, and right. Savannah was very. Did you take a lot of business, any business classes for your undergrad? No. Oh, see, no. that was something that was awesome for graduate. You basically took a year's worth of business classes. In... Yeah, I, I, and I think in like your your grad your MFA was in what in graphic, graphic design, design, right? Yeah, I think there's a lot more focus on it in the graphic design program than there is in the sequential program because the sequential art program we, we were very much just like we're making comics. It's fun over here. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the fact that we both went to Savannah, like there is a certain amount, like Savannah's slogan is the business of art. And so right. having, having realistic, I, livable conversations. Yeah, I, I would not say I was completely unprepared, like going there. It wasn't necessarily part of the curriculum, but the professors were all, were all working professionals. So there was definitely a lot of talk about like, this is what you should be expecting to get paid. And these are some of the pitfalls you can run into working professionally and all that kind of stuff. So it, it wasn't like a class that I had to take or anything, but there was certainly a lot of that talk going on and that kind of information passed on to us. Hmm. Yeah. My undergrad was basically, you're probably going to eat ramen for the rest of your life. Good luck. Oh, oh. So sad. <laughs> okay. And then I went into education. Because that's where the real money is. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I so we make well, good decisions <laughs> is the theme of this. Just the so best this is, decisions. So this is great. You guys are at your, as I say, you're at your, you're at your, you've reached your goal. You're hit, yeah. you've, you're, you're, you've hit your first stretch goal. And now you're going to be, you're less than a, less than a hundred away from your second stretch goal. Yeah. Um, and you still got 26 days left? Is that? Yeah. <laughs> Which now yes. I feel like we we did everything. Now what? Like now what do we do? We gotta just stop. We just have to keep being annoying for 26 more days. Are you Heck looking at more? Are you looking at more stretch goals that you're gonna try to figure out to unlock now? Yeah, so we're probably gonna continue on at our, our current strategy is that we're we're basically just gonna continue on with more of the variant covers. And obviously mm. we're not we're not 
physically printing individual chapters. So these variant covers are going to be like virtual variant covers where they will be included with the digital single chapter releases and also at, be like bonus material in the trade paperback. Right. So it's kind of like just a, a way to like add in a little bit more value and give other working comic artists a little bit of work and bring them into the into the project. Right. So, And one of the things that we specifically wanted to look at is um we we've kind of already head hunted who the next artist or the next company that we want to reach out to and get some feedback uh or some artist suggestions from their artist team um and they are a predominantly uh uh people of color for their whole company is built on that premise so um we realized at this point we're like oh there's a lot of white people working on this. Yeah, we, let's let's we, diversify. A little bit. <laughs> so. this up slightly. Which is kind of a th uh, the ongoing theme in the, the actual story is, you know, this, this element of diversity. And so we're like, well, let's literally put our money where our mouth is and let's, let's keep working towards that. So right. Right. we've, we've already got plans happening. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thank you very much, guys. We are we are at our hour mark. This was a really fast hour. So um, we're good at uh, talking. Oh yeah. 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 So congrats. <laughs> yeah. So congratulations again. I'm very excited. Very excited for you all. Um, and I'm I'm excited to check it out as well. So thank you. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah. yeah. So 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 yeah. So come back on again when you're on your next project for for, for when uh, you produce I am the last or I am the second. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're going to have to do at least two more so I can oh, no. become a friend of the show. So yeah, see, yeah. Right. <laughs> I got like, goals I now. Need that bad. You got goals now. <laughs> <laughs>
in the older part of the house, it's just a crawl space. Right. And going down the stairs, there's a giant hole in the wall that just leads to dirt. No. And you're like, that's where she lives. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we have uh, done everything but, like, put chairs and move furniture in front of that door now. <laughs> 